Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where two bearded film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time. My name is Luke Condor, with me Kate, and I'm joined by a certain mister. A certain mister? <laughs> <laughs> a certain someone. It's Mr. Ben Errington. How the devil are you? Good, mate. I've got to say, good. you're looking good. You're looking oh. healthy. You're looking like you've you been eating some oranges. You're looking tip-top in terms of... I've, have, I've been eating, off... have you a Barocca? Have you... Have you... Are you on the Barocca at the minute? I had a Barocca like three days ago. Glowing. You say that, but I've I've gone through my second bout so, of illness of 2019. Uh, you're on a comeback now, I can tell. I'm on a comeback, but second bout of illness in 2019. No, that I, is I'm saying I've got a cold and I had a, like a sickness not too long ago. Yeah. What's going on, eh? Literally, the fabric of society is crumbling around us. That's how we're all going to go. We're all going to get the sniffles. Brexit. That's what I'll do to you. Brexit calls the sniffles. I need to get some Barocca. Uh, yeah, so today uh, we're going to be doing Netflix's new horror movie that kind of popped up out of nowhere. But before we do that, have you got any other horror Barocca? Barocca? Horror, horror Barocca. That you were um, talking about. Do you know what? This this is probably the first week of doing this podcast that I'm going to say. I've literally watched nothing else. I've not watched a damn thing. I've been plowing. Uh, I don't think I have. No, I've been plowing my time into Resident Evil 2 oh, yeah. on the PlayStation 4. Um, so, yeah, I've spent a lot of... Any any spare moment I get, I go, oh, I'll crank on with this. So I have com- finished the first story, the first playthrough. And uh, it's well, it's one of the best remakes of a game, I think, ever. It's kind of... It's captured the essence of the original. Um, it's recreated all the moments you want to see. And it's elaborated on on stuff as well. And in terms of survival horror, it's, it's pretty damn terrifying. Yeah, uh, it's, it plays it's pretty fantastic. Oh yeah, it plays it plays very similar to Resident Evil Seven, but like with a bit more. Um, starts off very very horror orientated, lots of jumps, lots of creepy creaks, and loads of bits where you're just like, I don't want to go in that room. Um, as as the time goes on, there's a little bit more of an action element, I guess, in various bits, but. Yeah, it is a it is a great remake. So I'm already gonna already game that keeps giving. For the more you play it and the more you do things, you unlock different things and 
So, so are you going to do another playthrough straight straight away? I think so. Yeah. So the scenario A with Leon, I did, and I'm going to do scenario B with Claire because it fills in a few of the gaps in the story as well. Yeah. I think for the most for the most part, it is very similar. You you go through a lot of the same areas, pick up a lot of the same items, but I think there's just a just a slight side story bit that you, that's new that you experience. So it'd be interesting. So I've never played Resi Two before. Do you feel like I have, have I'd have more fun because it's like all a new surprise, or less fun because it's not got that nostalgic? Element? Oh, I think I think it's definitely the kind of game you just have. If you haven't played Resident Evil Two before, I don't think that's going to affect anything at all. I think you're going to enjoy this game for what it is. Um, which is, you know, a really great game. And one of the things I did just now, in terms of a, a nostalgic hit, is you can like swap out the, the, the new soundtrack for like the old soundtrack that was on PS One, and that just adds a certain, a certain je ne sais quoi to the whole experience. But yeah, like the gore is unlike anything I've seen before. Like you'd shoot, it's so satisfying shooting zombies. Like sometimes you feel like you want to conserve ammo. Sometimes you're like, I'm going to shoot this zombie everywhere I can just to hear the different noises. Jaws hanging off. Some it's, of the zombie noises. Really? Wow. Perfect. Isn't there like a, a way to play as like a SWAT team member? Yeah, so there's a, a, a extra game mode called the Fourth Survivor using a character called Hunk, hmm. who is like a SWAT team, a like umbrella SWAT team member who gets sent in to retrieve the G virus. So yeah, you play as him as like, that's more like a mini game now. It's not like a, a complete new thing. But there is some oh, DLC okay. coming out, coming yeah. out in, 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 on the 15th of Feb. Yeah. Where you get to play as some minor characters from the story, um, and you get to experience a, a sort of section of their survival or escape or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's great, man. I think if you've never played Resident Evil Two before, definitely do play Resident Evil Two. Because as in this version. Well, both. I'd say play uh, both. If you never yeah. played the original Resident Evil, have you played what Resident Evil games have you played? In so four, four and seven. Is that four right? and seven. Yeah. I think a good place to start is always from the beginning, but. If you kind of if you're keen to play this game, definitely play this game. But two and three, I've got a real special play. But I've got a special place in my heart. Yeah, yeah, man. I'll, uh, I took it out. I was watching a playthrough of some guy who was running away from Mister X, and he was yeah. doing he was doing a speed run, and Ooh. he must have glitched it out because he he a second Mister X spawned. Yeah, I saw that. I it's saw like, kind of like he's like in a corner, and then like there's two of them coming down the corridors. Oh man, Mister X. Yeah, because the thing about like the original and the ne- and the third game Nemesis is that when you escape from the Nemesis, you get to like a save room or you get somewhere quiet and it doesn't follow you. But Mister X kind of follows you everywhere, yeah, to the point where you're just like, Jesus Christ, just leave me alone. There's like one or two places he can't go, but he when he it makes the whole experience quite difficult. Sometimes you're doing a puzzle yeah. where you're trying to crack a safe and he'll just walk in. That sounds kind lamp- of a, kind of annoying. But... Definitely annoying. It'll just walk in and lamp you. Yeah, which uh, is just frustrating. I hate that when it happens in real life, you know. So I'm just turning. Oh yeah, have a, have a whack. Were you trying to do, like sort a little puzzle, little washing up five hundred piece puzzle? In. Bloody hell, you like you can't figure out a piece, twisting it and turning it. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, your missus comes in and lamps you for not doing the pots. <laughs> <laughs> not doing the pot. <laughs> you had some pots again, have you? All right. Yeah, exactly. Have you have you watched or done any? I don't suffrage? think I've watched that much. I've been watching um, some various TV shows, but not like kind of half-heartedly. Uh, but what I have done is read a comic um, co-written by a certain Andy Conduit Turner 
called Revenant, issue one of Revenant. So cool. written by Dave Killian and Andy Conduit Turner, art by Beth Varney and lettering by a Sir Robert Jones OBE. Um, so Sir Robert Jones OBE, well, wow. Yeah. He decided not to put the OBE in the credits, but I'm pretty sure he has got an OBE. Um, he's so modest. <laughs> exactly. That's why he got the OBE. He's so modest that they knighted him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, here's the cover. There it is. Yeah. So people who listen to this podcast will know that Andy regularly pops in and uh, joins in in the fun. Mostly um, uninvited. <laughs> he just pushes his way. He's like Mr. X. He just yeah. bombards his way into the podcast. <laughs> Punches us both, and then leaves. It says a couple of words, a couple After of some hot takes, and then couple of hot leaves, takes, yeah. and then leaves. <laughs> there we go. And you and you don't. We don't invite him back for two in a row because you know when you when Andy's been on the show, we we have have our feel need a break from him. Only joking, Andy. So the comic, have you read it? I have read it. I read yeah. it today. So I ordered my copy. Yes, was it yesterday? I think I ordered my copy yesterday, and it arrived today. I mean that is. I mean, that's good service there. I've not got a print copy, so how, how does it smell? Did it taste, taste pretty good? Did he send um, it? Did he send it? Not in no, the post, he, I mean like... With... I, uh, no, he didn't. Well, a bit of Lin- Lynx Africa, I think I could smell. Okay, cool, yeah. Andy's um, signature smell. Yeah, that's how that's how he's known. That's what he's going to his OBE for. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is, uh, so this is set in... Um, I'll tell you exactly when it's set. 1888. And I know that because it's Jack the Ripper, and that's a hundred years before I was born. So, ah, so yeah, so yeah interesting. It. Lightning yeah. doesn't strike twice. No, when Luke Potter was born. No. So yeah, Jack, Jack the Ripper story with a slight supernatural twist, supernatural edge. There's a little bit of a sort of mystery slash horror supernatural vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got like um, a like a detective guy. Well, sort of like a badass sergeant detective guy. Uh, I think he's he's essentially um, doing the Jack the Ripper killings, but because the, these women aren't pro, not your standard prozies, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, not your standard prozies. They're uh, special. They're extra these, special. Yeah, extra special. Like glowing, glowing red eyes. Yeah, I think these are, these are the Revenant. So he's taking them all out, um, and then he has to team up with um, a Revenant to to take out the, the even bigger baddie. Uh, yeah. But like it's literally one, so it does have um, like a cliffhangery ending. But it is a good cliffhanger. Like it's a very satisfying yeah. cliffhanger. It's a, very, it's a very nice final page, I believe, with some great dialogue there. So yeah, if you like the sound of that, hordecomics.co.uk. No, sorry, hordecomics.com. Yeah, is where this is going to be um, available. And they've also got uh, uh, the Horde Comics anthology on there as well, which is really good. It's really worth checking out. Yeah, I've got that too. I've got that here as well. You get both. I bought this a while ago. Did you get it on, a, on the crowdfunder? I got it, mine maybe, on the Maybe I did. Maybe, actually, maybe I got it after the crowdfunder. Yeah. Just to show my support. Yeah, but good. Good good stuff. Very exciting. Good, good. Signed as well. Oh, lovely. Oh! Oh, lovely. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say? I also have a signed book uh, that I've got here that you might be interested in. It's signed by a certain... Oh, I've lost the page. Signed by a certain Clive Barker. No way! Yeah. When, how, and why? I just saw it on, online on his on his Facebook page. Um, it's like a collection of essays and stuff, but it's got some of his no paintings and illustrations in there. 
but uh, is that a new release? Uh, I think it's like a re re release of something from a little while back. But okay. Uh, so this is copy 151 of 500. He's sort of signed them up. He's put a, a personal note in there for me. I haven't found it yet, but uh, I'm sure it's <laughs> in there. <laughs> Fuck you, Liv Condor. <laughs> what, is, what does that one smell like? It's got to smell a little bit like... Blood, obviously. Yeah, kind of like he, old blood. He's, he's scouse, isn't he? He's scouse. Yeah, so uh, tea, tea bags and blood. Tea bags and blood. <laughs> yeah. Classic lip, classic Liverpool. Also, when you open it, you know, you so those birthday cards with a microchip inside. This one plays Beatles songs. <laughs> oh my god yeah. what a cliche which one yeah. <laughs> uh, yellow submarine help <laughs> yeah and that at the same time it's a bit confusing yeah, but uh yeah there's no one for every page it goes for the, the entire great oh, sets it's, so, it's literally like five pages <laughs> it's like the thickest, the thickest <laughs> yeah. yeah uh but okay so today's episode we are talking about a certain velvet buzzsaw my favorite type of buzzsaw a velvet one so, mm. what what is this film? Have you got some info? Got some info. So, Velvet Buzzsaw is a 2019 American supernatural horror film written and directed by Dan Gilroy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Rene Russo, Tony Collette, um, Zowie Ashton. Is that you say her name? Zowie Ashton? Sorry, it's not there. Tom Starry's Natalie Dyer. Uh, Natalia Dyer, sorry. Loads of people. Played loads of people in this, including yeah, John yeah. Malkovich. Um, so, this one kind of popped up, little trailer out of nowhere. So, what, Dan, what, Dan Gilroy... Is that a double-barreled surname? Is he posh? No, no, it's Dan Gilroy, one, one word. One and word, so he was yes. the dude who directed and wrote Nightcrawler, also starring Mr. Gyllenhaal. I wouldn't call it a horror, but it's got some very unnerving yeah. themes and moments and faces pulled by Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm telling you, his eyes, people talk about him being a good actor. It's all in the eyes. I think of like Nightcrawler, he's had this sort of boogie-eyed thing. Donnie Darko, he looked down all the time. And then prisoners, he couldn't stop blinking. He's blinking all the time. Prince of yeah. Persia, he had sand in his eyes. Probably I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> he had sand in his eyes, and he was always squinting. I, do you know what? I forget that Jake Gyllenhaal was in Prince of Persia. Every time that piece of information comes, every time I hear it, it's like brand new information to me. I go, "Yeah, oh my God, yeah, he was." I've never seen it. Yeah. I, I'm not interested in seeing it really. But I've seen it, but I remember literally nothing about it. Yeah. Not even the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal was in it, it would seem. Yeah, you've pushed that, that memory down deep. Never going to surface again. So a trailer for this film like dropped yeah. when? January? It it, some, it, at some point in January. It broke the horror internet. People were going mad for it. People were going mad for it. But, I mean, we are going to talk a little bit more about the trailer. Yeah. But I've, let's talk, I'll just talk about my relationship with trailers. Is that If I see a, oh, there's a trailer for a film... Like, I, I want to see that trailer, and I get hyped by the trailer. And to be fair, trailers really do dictate what films I actually watch. Yeah. So, like, if I hadn't seen a trailer for something, it, I think it'd be rare to think that I would actually watch it. I'd want to see a trailer to see what I was getting into. Yeah. And I prefer, obviously, I prefer teasers, because once, you, once these big Hollywood blockbusters are pumping out brand new trailers and TV spots every couple of weeks start to see a lot and there's loads of stuff that appears in trailers that doesn't appear in films which can be a bit of a weird experience when you're watching um but yeah with this trailer you kind of think it's a fair netflix film let's have a let's give it a gander but there are at least it's at least 30 to 45 seconds too long yeah and it seems to show pretty much every moment of tension and shock and scare and 
it pretty much shows everything. All the, all the interesting bits. Yeah. Which, you know, usually when people say, oh, I don't want to watch the trailer because it shows absolutely everything. Most of the time I go, eh, it kind of, for me, it kind of, it, it helps, it aids my experience of that film, that I like seeing stuff in the film that I've seen in the trailer and I get hyped. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I find it easy to take the visuals for what they are rather than try and piece together the plot yeah. from seeing the trailer. Well, it's supposed to, a trailer is supposed to set the expectations for the film so, for this, I haven't watched this trailer because I don't, I don't, don't watch trailers, especially if they're kind of getting hyped up. I don't mind teaser trailers, so I can watch the Avengers teaser, and it just shows you a couple of images, and I know exactly what I'm going to get, and I know the flavour of it, and I'm excited for it. But for stuff like this, I just, I got through, there was a period when I was watching trailer after trailer after trailer, and I didn't even need to see the films anymore. Like, I felt mm. like I got my experience from that film, just through the trailer. It, it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because, as I said, it for me... Like it, I, I can read a bit about a film and think, yeah, I want to see that. But I do kind of want to see some visuals so I can kind of, yeah, yeah, again, get a flavour for it. But yeah, with this trailer, because it's a net, I don't know if it's just because it's a Netflix release, but only got one trailer, and it was pretty hefty, yeah. and it kind of shows everything in in um, chronological order. So you get I the felt. full arc of the story as well. Yeah, and I was yeah. just a bit like. I mean, there's so much this film could have been, I think. My my experience with the trailer probably ruined a lot of it for me. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think it's kind of a bit... hasn't. It's a bit. It's got a bit of an identity crisis, I think, this film. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, okay, so, so I didn't watch the trailer. I saw... So I watched it. Actually, it came out, and I saw a load of people hating on it, saying it's boring. I saw people on Instagram saying... They ducked out after an hour. They couldn't stand it because it was that boring. So I was kind of going in with like huge trepidation. Like, oh, here we go. I'm going yeah. to have to sit down. I'm going to have to bear this film. Oh, and, no. And, and like, I enjoyed it. I. It's not boring. No, I thought it was I fine. I don't think I'd call it boring. I think, what's wrong with our attention spans? If we can't watch a film, it's really well made. It's like, it's got enough pace to it. It's got a good flow to it. Characters are interesting to watch. I think it's got a good cast. Yeah. Um, I don't know who I'm rooting for in this film. I feel like a lot of the characters are sort of pretty much all bastards in their own ways. Like, like they're all kind of, they yeah. all kind of suck. There's not one person who I'm kind of rooting for. I guess Jake Gyllenhaal is the only person with something of a moral compass. Um, but I don't think it's evident until a certain point in the film where you think actually maybe he's kind of a good guy. There's another character, uh, the, the, main female i guess the so not, i thought, I thought not that Rennie, she was our main character not first. Rennie russo yeah so exactly so zoe zoe ashton yeah um i thought she was the main character but her, her character kind of just deteriorates into um a bit of a fuck, fuck, fuck i don't know i'm gonna say fuck nugget but yeah. just a bit of a abhorrent sort of twat um Rennie russo's character is a bit of a nose <laughs> i'm just <laughs> well i think yeah so i couldn't tell the only person who, who sort of gets away from it all is, we'll, we'll talk about it properly in a bit, but John Malkovich. And I think it's because he's the only one who has no uh, pretension. Like, he's all about yeah. the actual art. He's been itself. there, he's done it, he's lived it, yeah. So, I mean, this film is like, it's part, like, it's taking a swipe at the art world and the pretentious nature of it. That's one part yeah. of this film. It's part like, it's like The Ring, whereas there's a thing that's haunted that's, tracking down and killing people who have like benefited from its you know benefited sort of financially from it yeah um and then it's almost like i don't know what else what else is it but it's a 
So it's it's okay. I mean, the thing is, it, <laughs> it introduces far too many characters purely for the sake that you know they're supposed to die. Yeah, I think the the haunted aspect, the haunting aspects of it, the actual gags aren't very good. There's like a there's a cat jump scare. Like the the, the way people die is quite interesting, but the build up, the actual execution, is very mundane. When I feel like yeah. if you get someone. There's a reason why James Wan and the Conjuring verse stuff work so well because they're so good at delivering a gag. Even if you sort of know what's going to happen, they know how to raise your expectations, dip mm. you, twist you around, and you don't know where you're going to go. But every time I saw it, every death was like every death uh, starts I, and fin- every death starts and finishes exactly as as you would expect it to. There's no surprises like, at all. There's no surprises. Well, I mean, it's, so it's, it's difficult to say because the nature of the, the actual killing is kind of interesting because I mean, there's like monkeys and there's a Big male sphere and stuff. Those bits are kind of interesting, but they're not executed in an interesting way, if that makes sense. Yeah, they're kind of they're very pedestrian and like yeah, yeah, just just a bit. You oh, oh, you saw that coming. Nothing happens where you go, oh, I didn't expect that person to die, or oh, I didn't expect that person to die like that, or yeah, you know, it is all a bit, it is all a bit pedestrian. Um, a hell of a lot of it happens. Like I don't, I don't know if I'm just looking back at the film, but. So much of it seems to happen in a day. I mean, like, night shouldn't necessarily always be associated with horror. But at the same time, so much seems to happen in a day that it, part of me is and, and under fluorescent lights that I'm kind of just thinking in my head, it does, It does, really doesn't feel like a horror film. Loads of people die. There's a supernatural element. but It's, it's not scary, is it? I don't think it's, it's not scary, scary no. It's, also, it's, there's a whole thing of the, the rules of engagement. I'm not too sure who this thing is targeting and why, because it seems like anyone's kind of fair game. Even the people who are benefiting from the art like there's people who aren't who are still getting killed like the the guy who does like diy stuff as well like i don't understand why he got snubbed. i think if you associate yourself in any way with it if, if you look at the art in the wrong way it's it's yeah. coming for you so yeah we did we did have a joke before saying this was going to be um the sequel to vigo in ghostbusters 2 uh the, for the original yeah i'm sure he's not the original haunted painting but definitely our favourite. Yeah, we thought maybe Vigo was going to come out and be like, "Those fucking Ghostbusters stitch me right up." Now I've got all my other paintings. He rounded up all the other paintings in his gallery and went, "Right, we're going to fuck some people up." Yeah, I think the actual uh, art as well. Uh, so the visual style of the film is kind of pedestrian. Yeah, the, the art itself is is pretty good. Like the actual visual yep. art, like the Goya sort of looking paintings and stuff are amazing. But the way the, the film's filmed. It's kind of boring. There's a few interesting cityscape shots of LA, which were there in Nightcrawler as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I just I don't know. It's, there's something very pedestrian about a film that is about things that aren't pedestrian. So unless that's what they were going for, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the, well the, t- the, the brief description of the film is, after a series of paintings by an unknown artist who discovered a supernatural force and acts revenge on those who have allowed their greed... To get in the way of art, yeah. Oh, is that it? So that, that's it. That's <laughs> okay. it, mate. So I've obviously mentioned yeah. the, the the actors, but Jake Gyllenhaal plays more Van der Waal, who's like a art critic. Can't stop um, critiquing everything and anything. Can't stop critiquing everything. If he was here right now, he'd critique both our hats. Yeah. Um, and facial hair and headphones and all that shit. Rene yeah. Russo is Redora Hayes, who's like a <laughs> um uh, art. What, like she, I, big, think, I think I think her is a Vivian Westwood sort yeah. of faux Vivian Meryl Westwood. Meryl Streep, she's like Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. 
of the of the yeah. art world. Yeah. And but she's from a punk rock background. She's been in a band called Velvet Buzzsaw. That's nothing. Why is it called Velvet Buzzsaw? Just because she's got a tattoo and was in a band. Also, that was the shittest tattoo I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, get that covered up right now. For someone who loves art so much, she has got the words Velvet Buzzsaw and like a, a rotary blade on her back, and it yeah. looks like it. It looks like it was drawn by. Maybe me. there's maybe there's maybe there's something thematic about that. That's like from her time as a punk. Where oh yeah, she's got a few tattoos actually, a few random, a few yeah. random words on her arm camera. Yeah, so Zowie Ashton is Josephina, who's like an up and coming art aficionado, who's kind of she'll do anything to get yeah. ahead. Yeah. All right. Yeah. She... And then there's just like a lot of other characters who are like artists or you know people who are trying to sell art, people who sell are... art. Yeah. So you've got Tony Collette, who I don't, really... I don't really understand Tony Collette's place in this film. Obviously, she's great. I think, I think it makes sense if I knew what job she does. Yeah, she, she, I didn't uh, know. I was like, "What does your What is your job?" Yeah. Um, there's a few artists like John Markovich. Um, there's like a handyman who's like, "I'm not just a handyman. I also do some other shit." Yeah. Um, there's like a, a gallery owner dude who's like, "He's South African, I think, isn't he?" That guy. Sif Sif Ifrakon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I know. I know what you're thinking. Uncanny. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Natalia Dyer <laughs> as well, from uh, who plays a, a girl who just wants to have a job. I think she works for everyone at some point in the film. <laughs> yeah, she does. And she's she... literally like her CV is just packed. Yeah. So Natalia Dyer is from Stranger Things, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, her CV. She works for everyone at some point. She's literally. Like, I'll work for you for an hour. I work yeah. for you for a couple. And she makes a. She's got a, a massive habit of discovering bodies. Yeah, a massive habit. Yeah. I mean, after after finding like three bodies, you just be like, the art world's not for me. Yeah. All right. This isn't. Yeah. This isn't working out. I like it. I like it. A lot of people turn up dead before people start making connections. People. A lot of the time, people start going, "Oh bloody hell, that's unfortunate." Oh, what happened to him? Oh Jesus, and that person as well. And then after a yeah. while, someone goes, "Maybe these are all connected." No. Yeah, but how can you connect him other than just saying? But yeah, in fact, there's no police presence at all in the film. You think there would be someone That's investigating? True, actually, yeah, there is no police presence in this film. There's no one who just goes, "Hang on a minute, what's going on here? You bloody crazy, yeah, yeah crazy artist types." Well, he just thinks that it's just a big art exhibition, big art piece. Art. Yeah, exactly. He's just you doing a war hole. Get away with that. Yeah, say, I know people have died, but it is just art. So, I mean, unless you want to appear uncultured, yeah, you just... want to, you don't want to appear on cultured ever so you know don't don't question it exactly. i understand this yeah carry on <laughs> yeah 100 percent. so uh the film starts with north vanderbilt jake gyllenhaal he's attending a big exhibition um <clears throat> there's like arts artists of all type displaying i think they're trying to sell their like a convention everyone's trying yep. to sell their stuff people are going you love this bit of art great and he's Jake Gyllenhaal was doing a really uh, I've never seen him be camp like this before <laughs> like it's another level of camp it's like almost like a pretentious yeah. camp where it's not like a natural camp no it's not like a, a flamboyant over the top camp it's like just a very pretentious yeah um, so here a couple of words to describe him it says bisexual icy art critic Morf van der Walt bisexual and icy yeah there we go I mean it's true both of those things are true. 
but yeah, he kind of like sees slate and everything, and people are sort of explaining to him, you just don't get it, or there's things like that. There's this sort of um, robot dude called Hobo Man, who's like, it, that, it's not a character, it's just a, <laughs> it's just uh, a, like a, an over, art, art, yeah. art installation, and he says a few things like, um, you be say? careful or something, or uh, I can save you. Yeah. I can't save you, I think. I can't save you, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, you so, can't. Um, <laughs> you can't. Yeah, so yeah. we're kind of introduced to everyone, introduced to Josephina, who's like, just finds out her boyfriend's been cheating on her, so she's like, fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, she's having some problems at work with um, Rene Russo's character, who's uh, like, she's the icy one, if anyone is. She's like, got no patience. Yeah. She's like, yeah, basically yeah. the... Fiery, I guess, then. Fiery. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah just a bit. Just a bit nuts. Yeah. Uh, and you got, you've sort of introduced very quickly to all the artists and um, all different styles of art. I think they're all kind of avatars for real sorts of artists out there in, in the real world. Not that I'd know because I'm uncultured like that. Yep. Um, yeah, thanks. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just agreeing, mate. Sorry. Uh, so no. we get the impression that um, they've, there's a big like metal sphere as well. Uh, where you with lots of holes and you put your hand in it, it's supposed to that's like the big piece of the exhibition. Everyone wants wants a bit of that. Yeah. Um, it's just got it's just got a load of uh, macaroni cheese in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be for me anyway. Yeah. Oh lovely. What's that noise? What's that? Put, putting your hand in macaroni cheese. Oh okay. That sounds like an old like eight bit game of someone standing on slugs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what it was. Yeah. Also. Uh so I think we get the impression that Morph and what's her name? Not Josephina. The... When you said Morph, then the first thing I thought was <laughs> it, it was the plasticine model man yeah. Morph from what was he? What was he that from? Take heart. I don't know. They had a, I just thought it was called Morph. Have they called him Morph because this film's about art? It, maybe. Yeah. What? What? There's another one called uh, Neil Buchanan. In this... <laughs> what's the head called Bob Ross. from? Uh... Uh, just, just called the head. Ah, there you go. He's in it. In fact, he looks a bit it. like uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> he does. When Jake Gyllenhaal's really getting animated with his face. He looks like the head from Art Attack. <laughs> he does. But that's what he was going for. Yeah. I wonder if anyone's made that uh, uh, comp. Uh, what word am I? That connection. <laughs> that connection. Yeah. They have. Uh, we did it just now. Yeah, we did. Oh yeah. That's it. <laughs> we, we aren't. We aren't uncultured after all. Yeah. Uh, Morph is in a bad place in his relationship. Um, he's not happy. I think he even cheats on his boyfriend with Josephina quite early on in the film. Yeah, so we find that they've had they went they went to somewhere. Did they go to Venice or something? And they had a bit of a fling there. So yeah. you know they've obviously got they've got a lot in common. They're very sort of like similar people, I guess. They're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Um. So Morph has this kind of thing where he he is adamant that he's. <laughs> Integral to the artistic process, <laughs> yeah. Like he's adamant that he's not, uh, he's not about selling art or, um, like he's yeah. he's there to, he's the critic, he's the needed critic to, for an artist to sort of further the art form. Um, yeah, and he, and I guess he kind of thinks that he's, um, he doesn't he doesn't kind of like say that the things of his friends are good and the things of his non friends are bad. Yeah, he tries to keep um, a what word am I thinking of here? 
connection. Oh, no, so the previous words you're trying to think of. <laughs> I'm really struggling with English today. My brain is kind of frazzled. I did try and open my door earlier with my debit card. Are you trying to break break in like Axel Foley I took Foley my debit style? card out and like put it forward as if I was to open the door. I was like, no, no, I need Did you keys. get like a regular chewing gum to, you know, for the lasers on the window? <laughs> Do, they, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They put the foil. <laughs> <laughs> Broke into my own house. Yeah. Uh, okay, what were we saying? So they spent some time together. At some point, Morph leaves and Josephina finds out that her neighbour in her apartment building has died. Um, she goes into his building, into his flat, and she sees like all these amazing paintings everywhere. Um, they're really kind of dark, oil, watercolor. I don't know. Dark oil, pa- loads of terrifying faces. They're quite um, hellish. Yeah. Um, this is art, the, the dead man's called Vetril Dees, which is a lovely name. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a thing that says, throw it all away. Like, don't spread the art around. Yeah, don't spread the art around. <laughs> I think, do it yourself. Do it before you die, yeah. mate. If you're so worried about it. Um. So, I guess it all kicks off from there. What happens? So she she takes it to uh, Rene Russo, and then says, "I've got I found this art. I'm I'm selling it or something." Or she goes into a deal with her. Yeah, and then Rene Russo sort of gets her lawyers involved to try to sort of cook up a story to try obviously try and say that she saved it from getting thrown away so that she that, so that they basically get the art um, yeah. they get they get the rights to everything um and then everyone sort of starts to find out about Deese's work via via different different ways some ways which are just word of mouth other people sort of just see things and go well have a, have a, have a look at that yeah um so yeah and then there's there's like a public display in which various professionals turn up and all the artists are, from the convention turn up and they're all kind yeah. of moved in some way by the art yeah yeah um but then morph at the same time morph every time i, every time I say morph <laughs> it's just what what noise does he make he makes a noise doesn't he what noise does morph make what was that macaroni cheese <laughs> <that he made? laughs> is that morph yeah I don't, I, I don't know i can't really remember i feel like that's that's my Prince of thing, Persia. That's my Prince of Persia. I just don't remember ever watching it. <laughs> I see. Uh, yeah, so Morph at the time, like, is he's like, I'm going to do a bit of research into Dees because uh, he's a very mysterious man. He wants um, to write a book about him, doesn't he? He wants to write a book about him. He's yeah. like, they can't find anything about him. You know, there was a period in his life where he kind of like vanished for years. Um, so he starts doing a bit of research. He just basically goes on Wikipedia, I think, uh, and starts. Yeah finding out and he finds out that Deese had a troubled abusive childhood um he killed his dad can you believe yeah. it um and he had like terrible <laughs> mental illness um and he was locked away in um a place a bad place in a mental hospital for a criminally insane that was where his years were the the years he was unaccounted for were yeah um and then i guess he did the paintings afterwards afterwards he was like oh i've got uh, since being in this mental hospital i've got really good at painting and i come out and paint all this stuff that's exactly how it happens it's weird because yeah. uh when they do this uh when they explain this past it does the kind of cliche flashback flashback yeah it does thing. doesn't it i think it's even voiceover jake general just randomly starts doing like a voiceover at some point it just seemed a bit they did experiments steady, on they yeah. electrocuted them and ejected them with various things, and it was terrible. Yeah, and as Jake Gyllenhaal's thinking about it, 
the guy is telling him, he goes, Ooga bugger! And he sort of jumps in his skin. That doesn't <laughs> happen. But <laughs> I, I kind of feel like yeah. it could happen in this in that sort of scene. Um, yeah. So it has they sell half of the art and they're making an absolute mint from it. Uh, Rene Russo, whatever her name is, and uh, Josephina, they decide to stash away half of the art um, in some warehouse or something far away. The guy. The DIY guy says, I can drive a car. I'm not just a DIY guy. I can drive a car. He's got car, a, right? like an inferiority complex, that guy. I can eat cereals. I know I'm a DIY guy, but I can eat cereals. <laughs> you ever seen a man <laughs> eat cereal before? Or eat an old multi-pack? Eight little boxes of them. Yeah, Even the ricicles. He's like, I can open a satsuma in one go. Of course I can. What, what do you think? I can look at a satsuma and open it. Yeah. <laughs> and he does, and it's pretty amazing. But anyway, <laughs> he's, uh, he's driving to wherever it is. Um, and he starts to look at the art. I think he's going to steal some of the art. I think that's... Yeah. He's so he prizes open one it. of the boxes. He has a little look and he goes, it's a picture of an old woman and he rubs his hands together because he's well into that. Ooh. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to... I think he just, yeah. A part so inspired. Of him wants, <laughs> so inspired. Part of him wants to... So early, earlier he says, he looks at the art and he says something like, it speaks to me. So clearly he's got some sort of connection to the art. Yeah. So whether he's going to steal it or what but at the moment he hasn't actually this is what i mean gained anything he hasn't gained financially from the paintings so the sort of idea that these paintings are somehow haunted and the supernatural force is killing people who are basically gaining money from it or maybe they know your your intentions is to gain money from it yeah it's weird uh but he slides a cigarette uh and the paintings do this thing every now and again where they they kind of look like they're on fire a little bit uh he's Burns up. He, he whips his vest up off. Is like, why does he not stop the car at any point during this? Yeah, like, if that happened, you'd yeah. immediately stop. Like, it's not difficult to stop the car. Yeah, I can drive the car and take my top off at the, the same time. On fire. It's, it's almost like he's like, well, I've yeah. got somewhere to be, so I might be on fire, but I'm going to keep driving the car. Stop the car. Yeah, it's a busy world in uh, America. You can't stop. Non-stop world of art. You can't stop <laughs> to put yourself out of, on exactly, fire. Man, come you on. You know, lose your job. He's got things to do. He's got a deadline later that night. He's got a Domino's pizza delivery run. Yeah, he's got he's got it all going on. I don't just I'm not just a handyman, all right? I deliver Hawaiian pizzas to hungry students. I've got okay? po- podcasts to record when he gets back. Yes, he's doing podcasts on art. <laughs> yeah. He's doing podcasts on the fifty best and worst pieces of art. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh but he, he crashes into a petrol station. Um and then as he gets out and his his skin's all peeling, uh, it looks pretty bad. He starts to you know, so he goes inside, tries to wash himself down, um, and then so I imagine if I saw this in the trailer, I'd be like, "Do you hear that?" Yeah, I thought it was growling. That terrified me. What is that? I think uh, someone's got like a, a quad bike that they've been doing up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was growling. It yeah, scared me it definitely for a sounds second. Like you, it, yeah. you looked off off screen as if to say. Oh no, it's found me. The dog, the dog from Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Uh, what was? Oh yeah. So he get. So if I saw this in trailer, I'd be like, "Wow, what is this? This is insane." I have to watch it. But it's it's very short. It doesn't. Nothing really happens. So he's he's washing himself, and then the monkeys on a on those IKEA style store bought paintings, filler paintings. They yep. kind of reach in and grab him and pull him into the painting. Weird, weird place to have a painting, like just above a sink. Yeah. 
Yeah. I never put a painting there. There's quite a cool shot where it kind of pans around him and we see the monkeys sort of come to life and all jump down from the car. Well, I don't yeah. wanna... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase aren't they like doing something yeah i think so um, yeah so they basically yeah. grab his head and we're assuming yank him into the painter or something we don't we don't linger on it do we i feel we like it could have gone could have gone a, a bit more violent with the deaths like with this sort of death i would have liked to have seen it stay on it for a bit longer you don't have to stay on the visually on the monkeys yeah you could just he could have fought, he could have fought his way yeah exactly yeah thing it's a bit goosebumps <laughs> it was a bit goosebumps. <laughs> it was, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, so he goes missing, and then I'm not sure exactly what happens, but uh, Rene Russo's character like finds out that he's gone, and she kind of thinks he's trying to stitch her up. So she yeah. rings him and le- leaves him a voice message. Basically, say, "If you've knit those paintings, yeah. I'm going to come down so hard on you. You're not going to do it. You'll never DIY again in this time." Yeah, right? he won't never. do it himself ever again. No. Um, and so then we're introduced to an opposing gallery owner whose name is John Don Don. John Don Don. <laughs> His name's John Don Don. Yeah, some of the names in this are pretty ludicrous. Yeah. John so Don Don. He's, he's, he's like hired a private investigator to basically find out about Deese's past, about his mental illness and all this shit. So he basically wants to feed the story to the press in order yeah. to basically ruin... Sabotage it. Yeah. Sabotage everything so people won't want to buy his artwork. So again, then, isn't he not profiting from it if anything he's doing the opposite this is what i mean i don't understand the rules of the game here like what is the point unless it's just infecting and killing everyone that it but that doesn't make sense either because it doesn't that's annoying isn't it It it's annoying (laughs) yeah so one one thing i kind of thought about with this was the ring so i thought about um so one thing is good about the ring is that obviously immediately you know you're going to die because of this haunting videotape and seeing this thing but there's a lot of good stuff in the ring. I'm going to talk about the American remake more so than the Japanese version at the moment. So there's a lot of um, good detective work done by Naomi Watts' character, finding out about the history of the videotape, kind of getting under the skin of it a little bit and trying to essentially save herself and then in the second one, save her son. 
this is all good stuff. So we know what the end game is. She wants to somehow survive. But with this, there's not really any of that. Like, we don't know the rules of the game. We don't know the rules yeah. of how you can possibly survive from doing this, why it attacks people for doing A, B, and C. It kind of just goes around like... Willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. It goes around like Michael Myers, just slashing people up for essentially no reason. But this and guy, that's kind of a thing. This African guy has nothing to do with it, really. He's not, he doesn't own any of the art, does he? He doesn't... <clears throat> no. So this, what this film needed was potentially the private investigator character or potentially Morph needed to take a more proactive role <clears throat> in trying to find something in Deese's past that explained everything it, and what the intention was of it so he could somehow either reverse it or yeah. change it or stop it somehow. I do, it I do like... understand, but I do feel like maybe the filmmaker was like, I don't want to go too standard horror movie. I still want to keep it in this sort of weird in-between place where it's a sort of satirical comedy with the horror ring it element could have as done, well. It could have done that with both, but I think it, yeah. <coughs> in terms of the horror elements, for me it needed some yeah. direction or some explanation because it seemed just yeah. very, very... Um, Paint by numbers. Very vague. Like, Paint was... by numbers and very vague in terms of what the rules were. So this this bit here with the... the gallery owner, the South African gallery owner dies. This is exactly what I mean in terms of it's just not a very interesting or well executed haunt, scary, ghosty death where he's like, he goes up to change a light bulb or turn a light off or something and a hand Yeah, so down I think and, he walks through, walks through his gallery, like some things come on, like um, uh, yeah. what's it? Uh, projector thing comes on. It, um, it, it seems like maybe the director isn't really a fan of horror movies. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he doesn't really want to well, linger again, too much on these or like how much of a horror movie was this supposed to be yeah do we know like it's, it's called a supernatural horror film but i think from the trailer from all of the pro promo stuff and well, from a lot of music and stuff like, yeah i know what you mean is it yeah the intro music what was going on with the intro music remind me it's like well it's like a uh where oh, i don't know i want to describe but it everybody knows your name it was the Cheers theme music. It was, uh, yeah, it was. It was, it was like it a, really was. It was an uplifting instrumental piece. It wasn't a. Yeah. It was quite. It was like it was like orchestral, wasn't it? But it was kind of like quirky indie movie orchestral thing. Yeah. So maybe in terms of picking apart this film for its horror elements, it yeah. might be unfair considering maybe it's not really a horror film. Maybe it wasn't made as a horror film, but maybe it was marketed as a horror film. Yeah, I think maybe. Who's to say? Who's to say? We don't know what the filmmakers' intentions were. I think if. From what I can gather, they just wanted to have fun with the art scene, that pretentious side of it, which I do think they achieved quite well. But this, yeah. the horror movie stuff is is a little bit lacking, and I think that's why people are watching this from the trailer going, holy shit, this is a weird, crazy, almost like Italian bonkers, fortune-esque sort of zomp- now, horror can film. We, can we take a bit of a side note here and just explain the sensationalism that modern horror movies are getting from the press and by the press i just mean social media accounts buzzfeed lad bible people are saying it's so scary they fainted this film is so scary people vomited this don't watch this film alone you will die a guy's hamster watched this film and it exploded (laughs) yeah Yeah, (laughs) a guy's guy's hamster watched this film and it exploded yeah yeah it's basically 
like so we've got it for this film we've got it for, i mean bird box was given the yeah given the right raw there treatment was veronica as well i didn't, didn't watch it but yeah so i, I mean it's getting to a point where literally all film criticism from those sort of places just seems to mean nothing to me and then it annoys me a little bit because a lot of people are going oh my god have you heard about this film oh my god have you seen people are throwing up and someone fell down the stairs and broke their yeah. leg just from yeah. thinking about it for a second yeah and i saw that for this film a lot of people are saying people are calling velvet buzzsaw the most terrifying film of the year it's like fucking that's almost february the first yeah it's almost ludicrous yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah there's uh i think that's what it is i think it's a, a, a thing where the expectations haven't been set properly and people are going into it expecting one thing and it's not that thing at all or i mean not i think really. horror is in a great place at the moment but i doesn't, still doesn't think need all this it doesn't um, need it no it doesn't need all this stuff because i think it's horror as a genre speaks for itself and yeah. people people because people people take from horror you know what they want from it like a lot of people go into a horror film and all yeah. they want is jump scares that's what they want yeah that's a scary film for them other people want atmosphere other people want visuals other people want good writing good cinematography some people just want go whoa jesus Christ, oh fucking yeah and they'll go oh there's 10 jump scares and that that is a 10 out of 10 film yeah it's something like comedy isn't it like some people just want a gags per minute sort of thing and some people like groundhog day or something that's a bit a little bit different but yeah got a bit of essence to it a little bit of sustenance yeah exactly okay so um at the funeral for one of these uh, uh well it'll be for the gallery owner i think for john don 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 mo john don don um they uh what's the name morph is pretty funnily critiquing everything from the from the music the organ music the to the, coffin. the the shit like the color of the coffin like everything like it's just not... you want to be, would you want to be buried in there for eternity <laughs> um and then who i think now it, it get it's pretty quickly becomes tony collette's death yeah so i mean i think initially morph is starting to get sort of um overwhelmed by all of his research into Deese and there's a moment when he's getting busy with Josefina I think this is the first time you start to see that Josefina is a bit of a twat like she's having a having sexual relations with Mr. Morph and uh, she's like come on concentrate on me look at me oh be in the moment oh yeah this is great yeah and And he's like seeing the painting yeah I've got a painting up on the wall yeah of this of this man you just get it get rid of it yeah so he's looking at he's like if you look at this painting long enough it moves and she's like but why have you got an erection yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he goes, true, that's oh. he goes. Oh, I didn't see that there. Yeah. So they decide to go on a break or something. Yeah, they kind of just their relationship is really, really pushed into the background, and we sort of find out about different things that have happened with it. You know, through different scenes, it's not like you don't actually see these things happen. Really, there's a bit where they obviously they have a conversation. Um, Wait, this is a little. It's a little bit later, I think, but not long. Not long after this, Morph also discovers that Deese has been using blood in his paintings. Yeah, because um, yeah. someone is obviously doing research on all the different paint types. I think different bodily fluids, right? But like blood's the main one. And also, when they when they pick off a bit of the blood, to it's like a pick in a scab, and it just seems to bleed as if it's like bleed, a fresh yeah. wound. Yeah, that's a, that is a creepy idea. And it's a creepy idea. Again, I would like to have known more about the background of it here. Yeah, like oh, what if they were victims of his or you know something like yeah. that i don't know yeah. we kind of it's left quite amb- ambiguous but i guess that's kind of good yeah 
so Tony Collette, in a sense, I think maybe her stuff could have been cut from the trimmed away from the film because I don't really understand what her job was. Or oh, she was trying to she... get certain pieces in a gallery, and she's trying to get rid of the up and coming artist section of the gallery. I think something. she represented a few artists, and she wanted certain artwork to be put in this city gallery. Yeah. Um, and there's this big interactive piece called Sphere where you put your hand in, big sort of metallic sphere. Macaroni yeah. um, cheese, yeah. Macaroni cheese, yeah. Uh, and then she sticks around in. Again, there's, there wasn't really too much build up to this. I, I just don't, I just feel like there's something missing because you just need to shove a hand in and then it it's quite an interesting visual where it's like a grinding noise yep. and then the blood shot out the other holes so blood was shooting out some of the holes of this thing and obviously her arm was torn off and she sort yeah. of went ah thing and then yeah and then we kind of get a little bit of a we get told that her body was there but people came into the into the um exhibition and thought she was part of it and kids were like standing standing playing in, in the it blood, and stuff yeah playing playing in the blood and i think yeah. then the only person who sort of realized maybe oh fuck it's a dead body was coco who literally her only one of her only jobs in this in this film, answer the phone, get the coffee, find the dead bodies. Yeah, and she does it pretty well, from what I can gather. She she finds dead bodies better Very than good. anyone else. Yeah. She screams every time. Yeah, that we well, need that. You need otherwise people just think it's part I, of the art piece. I find the first body, I'd scream. Find the second body, I might scream. Find the third body, I'd be like, for fucks. Cat, me and Cat were talking about this. Like, if you walked into a room and you saw a mangled dead body, it doesn't matter in whatever state. I don't think I would scream. I feel like I'd just go, fuck, you know, what the Jesus? I feel, I think I would just go completely silent and, and just go, sort of kind of... Are you all right? Yeah, yeah. Just kind of take it in. Like, I don't think screaming is a natural reaction. Unless it, like, fell on you. You know what I mean? It's like, uh... <laughs> yeah. I mean, if something fell out of, like a dead body fell out of a cupboard or something onto you. Unless it was yeah. doing that, I, d- I don't that, I mean, that don't scream. really happen in real life, does it? I bet it, it must have happened at least, at least twice, I reckon. Yeah, probably more than that. Two and a half, three, four times. Wars and shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, if you're, you know, in World War One, in the trenches and a head just flies past. Oh, God. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. So she discovers the body, calls the police. Again, she calls the police, but I don't think, again, we don't see any police officers. Police are just like, had enough. Um, yeah, don't get involved. But yeah, it seems to be like, there's, but there's a spike in interest um, for the Dece exhibit but morph is kind of getting a little bit intense now about uh dc's like we gotta get rid of this artwork him and josephina break up and there's a great bit on the phone where they're sort of arguing and he's shouting at her down the phone and she says she says something to him like get fucked and lose my number but then i thought she rang him <laughs> i'd ring yeah. i'd ring back to tell her that i'd ring back to go yeah. you told me to lose your number but you rang me so what yeah. do you lose my number you prick <laughs> Yeah, by that yeah, point she... he would have rang her back. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a oh yeah, it's a never ending cycle. <laughs> she um so yeah. she's going out with someone else as well. There's another artist who's a sort of another artist, yeah. Underground uh I don't want to say graffiti artist, but he does like he does bank, some Banksy stuff, style yeah. stuff, doesn't he? I yep. think yeah. Yeah. And I think Morph is quite angry because Josephina kinda of made him um against not against his will, but against his sort of code of ethics. Like yeah. write a bad review about not him, but there was another artist, wasn't there? Who he yeah. wrote a bad review, and that guy died. It, yeah, he like crashed. He like well, no, he's in a coma, wasn't he? He, dro- he drove his yeah, car okay. into a yeah. wall or something because he hated. It. So Morph, obviously, this is the first time where we see a character sort of have some sort of moral compass and have yeah. some sort of 
have some sort of understanding about the 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 cause things because of his actions, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, he's he begins deteriorating. He's hallucinating all the time. He goes and gets his eyes tested at some point because he's like, oh, I keep seeing shit, and they're like, your eye, your eyesight, you got twenty twenty vision, mate. Yeah. And he's like, I'm over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes over here, mate. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. goes through this uh, special preview of like an audio experience as well, um, and he it's like these like speakers hanging from ropes, and he hears different voices, people saying, "This is your fault. That guy died. It's all your fault. You're you're a nubhead. You're such a nubhead. You are such a nubhead. Such a bloody nubhead. <laughs> and you left the cat out last night. Kettle's on. Oven's on." Uh, you should have changed the litter tray. You know all the sort of standard nagging, constantly. So he has a breakdown. Standard and nagging. A, another guy comes in and says, "Oh, sorry for the delay. It's not. We'll be starting the whale noises in a minute." So it never, none yeah. of it actually happened. Uh, so he runs away. It, it kind of reminded me. I was getting some Roman Polanski vibes from this. Have you ever seen uh, Ninth Gate? It's with oh yeah, I've seen Ninth Gate with um, what's his name? Captain Jack Sparrow. Captain Jack Sparrow himself, yeah. Joni Deep. Yeah, Joni Deep. Yeah, uh, I don't know what you mean. Is is he a writer in that? No, I'm thinking of Secret Window. Isn't I? Uh, so he's a he's a uh, what's the word? Um, old book finder, discoverer. That's he he it. finds That's it. precious books. And stuff. Uh, so what do you do for a living? An old, old book, book finder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's an old book out there, and I find it. I think there's one of those going on monster jobs actually the other day, old book kind, and uh, <laughs> so. But like, there's a there's a certain and it reminds me of Ghostwriter. There's a certain like tone uh, where it just reminded me of Polanski. I'm not too sure what it was exactly, but it, I think it struck me when he ran away from that audio thing. It just gave me some Polanski vibes. Um, so then I think yeah. we're starting to come towards the. Ends now. Yeah, not long after this, Morph hires Coco as an assistant to help dispose of the artworks, and she tells him that his ex-boyfriend was paid by Rodora Rene Russo to basically talk about his reviews before he posted them, wherever he posted them on LinkedIn, Tumblr, <laughs> Tumblr, um, so that she could like basically buy up stuff that she yeah. knew was going to get a good review from Morph the art man there is a bit of a side plot here with john malkovich's character like he's having like um i don't think we saw him for a long lot. oh yeah oh yeah. yeah so that's another thing that probably should have been trimmed from the story yeah added I, did, I, don't, I don't think it needed this now and I, so i feel um, like that's a big problem with these netflix films and stuff that's going straight to it doesn't have to go through the same sort of editing process and you tend to find things i just got a little bit too like suspicious just got about 20 minutes too much in there Little hanging on, to... little hanging on bits. Yeah, where it, where it kind of it kind of disrupts the momentum of dangly the film. Dangly bits, nubbins. Dangly bits, yeah, dangly fatty bits. Yeah, perhaps it's not necessarily doesn't mean I don't want any more of that character. It just perhaps means that we spend a little bit too long on, yeah. you know, something that doesn't really add anything to the Meal. overall picture of the film. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so now we've got the. F- well, so Josephina and Morph. Morph goes to a warehouse because he finds out there's more of his art, of Beez's art there. He's going to destroy it. I think he's on a mission now to stop it all. Josephina goes to... I don't know why she goes to the club to get her boyfriend a drink or something. 
Um, well, they get they go to like some sort of gallery type thing. I'm not sure, but then her and her boyfriend. Well, I guess it's her new boyfriend. Maybe it's just a bit of fluff. Yeah. Um. They basically, she says something to him, and he basically tells her where to shove it. He like was he, he was got, looking at Diesel's out before, and he decides to go back to the, uh, you know, the artistic integrity side of things. Yeah. Uh, back yeah, exactly. to the street art and that. Um. So she tries. She tries to leave, doesn't she? She tries to leave. She finds herself walking into a gallery that wasn't even there a second ago. Um, suddenly, suddenly appears. It's got a load of like graffiti, like paintings on the wall. Yeah. And mm. at the same time, Jake Gyllenhaal is getting chased by Hobo Man, the robot art piece. Yes, Hobo floor. Man sort of turns up, and that's—I mean, I guess this is quite creepy. Um, it is, but again, I just thought the execution just wasn't was was lacking. Mm. There's so, very yeah, small Man, chasing. Yeah, he kind of just chases him a little bit, um, and he seems to be able a bit a bit wonky, but then he starts sprinting like Usain Bolt. Yeah, like a Kenyan. <laughs> 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 uh, he's, he's Jamaican. He's uh, Bolt, but, uh, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Running. <laughs> but then, like, so he catches uh, JJ and the character. Who at this point, I feel like we're supposed to be signing with him. He's our uh, conduit into the story, and then he dies so easily. Like, there's no struggle really. He just sort of gives yeah. up. We don't he even get, see he just, him. Gets, he just gets his neck snapped like a crackerjack. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, he gets opened. Like, if you ever, you know, you buy those bake yourself um, cinnamon buns, cinnamon roll things. You yeah. them? And then you get the dough, and then you have to twist it, <laughs> and then it starts to spill out. Oh, yeah. I it's... feel like we get one of those noises from you at least every episode. <laughs> I can't even do it. I can't do it. No, it's good, wasn't it? Do it again. Yeah, it's good. That's good. So, that yeah. Um, so, Josephina is in the. Which one? No, no I can't do it. Oh, a little oh. drop droplet can't do that. Okay, I can't do it in a minute. Okay, so yeah, so at the same time, she gets all this all this paint starts Yeah. Lay down the walls and that. <laughs> and then goes up goes up her. Yeah, like, it goes up her, but it's like un- it's almost like under her skin. In her skin. Or yeah. so her, her her body starts going all multicolored, which I thought would be pretty cool, but she screams. Doesn't like I don't it. like it. Terrifying. Like when you get a haircut you didn't really want. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> or you find a, or you find a dead body jumping on you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you like this haircut? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, that I think that's a yes. She bloody loves screaming for it. And <laughs> then, so she, I don't really know after her either. Oh yeah, so the gallery shuts, and then she, she's like part of the graffiti now. I thought that. I mean. That's quite spooky. That would be quite a good visual, but I think it just looked a little bit shit. It bit, looked like bit she, goosebumps again. A bit too. Yeah, goosebumps. very goosebumps. It was like she. It, she looked like she just. It was a picture of her, but she had a shit Photoshop filter over it. It did. It looked like one of those. <laughs> <laughs> one of those apps you get. Yeah, yeah. One of those apps that people use, and they go, they send it to celebrities, and go, "I've done a bit of fan art of you," and they retweet it, going, "Great fan art." It's like it's just a fucking app. Yeah. You you sounded really passionate about that. You yeah, does, you should uh, haunt people who, who you know use that art in. As soon as they do that hashtag, I'll just appear. Yeah, and break break it's their like, neck. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, basically, all of our main characters are dead. Oh yeah. Coco Coco finds Morph's body. Jesus Christ! Let us be someone else. Then that's body number four that she finds. Maybe three. Um. And then we're left with Velvet Buzzsaw Lady. Yeah. So 
Rene Russo, she becomes super nervous. She gets rid of all the Deese paintings and then she hires some people to basically get rid of every piece of art from her house because she thinks yeah. she's going to be attacked attacked by a cereal box or something. Um, yeah. And, and then the velvet buzzsaw tattoo on her neck yeah. just comes, basically comes to life. Mm-hmm. Spins. Saws her head off. I guess saws her happens? head off. I'm not I don't sure. know if it does. I think we, we don't even see... We don't see too much gore in this. No, no. So there's a lot. Of, there's a bit of blood, but that's yeah. pretty much it. And then Coco's like going somewhere, and she sees like a homeless man like putting up some Adidas paintings to sell. And someone comes along, and goes, "How much for that one?" He goes, five dollars." And so selling them. So who is everyone going to die now? Is he going to die because he sold the paintings? Are the people who bought the paintings going to die? I guess so. is anyone game still, still profited off it, isn't he? So if you drive, pa- if you drive past and look at the paintings, are you going to die? Yeah. So I think so. Who knows? Um, and also, there's drawing the credits. John Malkovich is on the beach drawing uh, lines in the sand, doodling in the sand. Yeah, because earlier on he went. He, he was going to go to Rene Russo's beach house, wouldn't he, to try and rediscover his yeah his passion for the for drawing blobs and shit. <laughs> yeah. So there that's, we go. That's what, he was, that's what he was doing, drawing blobs and shit. Um, yeah. So there we go. The tri- uh, trivia. Are you ready for some? Oh yes. I got um, some of you. Number one, it was difficult to find. Uh, the term velvet buzzsaw uh, has an explicitly sexual origin related to what? Velvet buzzsaw? <laughs> Just for, well, I don't, I I don't know how it. you can say this. Out, like, if you do know the answer, I don't know if there's a way for you to say it without feeling a little bit dirty. Sick. Yeah. A little bit, what, like disgusting or just sex, sexually explicit? Sexually perverted. Is no, it, well, no, I don't know. Is it... Um, <laughs> Coming across like a so nerd. all I can think of Velvet Buzzsaw <laughs> is that obviously the band Velvet Revolver. What does which, that mean? A great band, but I always used to get a bit annoyed by it because it was like, oh, let's find something soft and delicate and yeah. then something, an instrument of death and put those things together. It kind of felt like that. Velvet yeah. Buzzsaw is a bit like, Because oh. okay. if you had a Velvet Buzzsaw, it'd be shit. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite for anything. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Is it... Um, Given, is it tromboning someone? I don't know what that, that means. Um, but uh, is it is it is it, um, is it rimming? Is it rimming? <laughs> it's tromboning like to... uh, when you're trying to give someone a blowjob from the from behind, and then you're playing it. That'd be difficult, wouldn't it? I think it's where it's where you're giving it's where you're giving giving the anus a treat, but yeah. also grabbing the penis. I mean, I don't know why I'm doing it in this situation, but I might be. Yeah, and no, you're doing... it, it works. <laughs> The vi- oh, so, so you got both hands. You got one hand yeah, doing maybe. the one hand doing the, the yeah, that, and with one doing the notes. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, one hand's doing the notes, <laughs> and you're at the back doing the. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is it rimming? <laughs> no. Otherwise, no. So the other buzzsaw uh, relates to cunnilingus. Ah. Oh, well, that's so a lot. Like, that's a, make, lot, that's a lot more vanilla than what I suggested. Yeah, I do feel like a bit of a nun for saying. Oh, you gotta get embarrassed. What, what? So what? So what's the velvet buzzsaw bit like? I'm going to give you a velvet buzzsaw, or we're doing the velvet buzzsaw, or <laughs> doing the velvet buzz. I don't think it's a real position in the Karma Sutra or anything. It's not the velvet buzz. I don't. Well, I don't know. I think it's just. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna... just eat, eating the pink taco. Yeah, I'm eating. I'm working on the velvet buzzsaw. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've got some jobs to do. Is that? Is that get out is the velvet buzz. When your when your tongue goes limp and your tongue just stops working, it turns to velvet. Like as, as useless as a velvet buzzsaw, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Chocolate teapot, velvet <laughs> buzzsaw. 
Number two. Uh, so with Netflix films, we have no idea what a film's box office is anymore. Um, but I can tell you, tell you uh, how much it costs to make a film. So can you guess the budget of this film? Oh, interesting. Let's say eighty million. That's probably way too much. It's way too much. It's twenty-one million, which is still oh, a lot. Yeah. Why did I say eighty? Do you know why? I said 80. I watched a documentary about The Matrix the other day, and it said that was 80. It's stuck in my head. But it is. Inception. I blame, I blame <laughs> that. I always say blame Inception. The Whenever someone has an idea, Inception. <laughs> <laughs> Inception. <laughs> 21 million. I said 80. Jesus. Yeah. Imagine how good it would have been if I had the budget of 80. Yeah. Vigo, Vigo from Ghostbusters definitely would have been in it. Yeah. Um, number three. Who are... So I couldn't find too much trivia about this film per se... Uh, but so I had to get, I had to get, like think laterally. So who are Jake Gyllenhaal's godparents? Who are his godparents? Um, yeah. Let's just try and think. Um, the people that you know, like famous people, not like fam- not like famous people you know personally. Are yeah. they? Are they? Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. That's a really good guess. It's actually Paul Newman, his godfather, and oh. Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis is his godmother. Oh. Apparently, I think we talked about this before. Jay Gyllenhaal used to read the Halloween scripts and or or something for Jamie Lee Curtis. He used to give feedback on him and stuff. I think so. That rings a bell. Wait, what? Like the new the newer Halloween film? Yeah, Jimmy? yeah. I was gonna say, where was it? <laughs> for six month old him? Like, <laughs> I've got ah, some shit. notes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some notes. I was terrible. His at this cigar, film. Yeah. Even his eyes then were like, whoa. I think um, Jay Gyllenhaal. His parents were kind of film. I think his dad's a film director, and his mother was works in film as well. And um, so, Maggie. and, and Maggie John Hall's sister is. They don't. They don't look the same at all, do they? I don't know. I think they've got something. Some they've got similar faces. They've got similar genes. They've got similar DNA. They've, they've got, got similar s- Levi's on. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, oh, is that tiger again? Um, <laughs> 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 so uh, number four. Which of these did director Dan Gilroy Which of these did director Dan Gilroy write on? Was it A a notepad? B Kong Skull Island or C the Sixth Sense? Which of they did he write on? Well that's three very different yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like usually I could try and I could try and work out what the red herring is, but Yeah. Let's say I don't think it would have been Sixth Sense because doesn't Shyamalan write all his own shit? So let's say Kong Skull Island because that seems a bit out there for you to have mentioned that. Yeah, he wrote on Kong Skull Island with Jordan Voight Roberts and someone else. Skyland. Skyland. Is that he wrote on Kong Skull Island. Skyland. <laughs> Can't even um, bother to split up words anymore. No. Uh, well, I've got a bit of a velvet buzzsaw thing going on my tongue. <laughs> I can't talk anymore. <laughs> uh, so number five. Jake Gyllenhaal is supposedly the inspiration behind which pop song? It's a big, uh, it's a big pop song. It's one of the ones that all the kids know. Oh God! Ooh, okay, God. What, like a recent one? Yeah, I, I can hum the tune if you if you'd like to phone a friend. Big pop song by like a solo male. Is the inspiration behind which hit pop song? And I can hum the tune if you want me to. Jake's, yeah, go on. Mm, 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 mm. 
That's what you get. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> I don't know. Give me a hint. Just give me a clue. And that's uh, a really good clue, haven't it? But uh, so it's a Mister or Mrs. Taylor. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift with um. I can't even name a Taylor Swift song. Jesus. <laughs> I'll give up. Tell me. Uh, we are never getting back together if I tell you something. Oh, Ta- so why is, he the, why is he the thing? Is that because she's got, with him? Yeah, I think they were going out at one point. But they go out with each other. Ooh, she's gone out of everyone, hasn't she? She's gone out of the ball. She's gone out with you. She's gone out with is me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there you go. Uh, you got uh, most, all of them right. Uh, so uh, the, yeah, now time to rate the film. <laughs> Nine out of ten. Yeah. So Nine out of um, ten. Okay, interesting. No, not, <laughs> not this film. <laughs> sorry, 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 <laughs> Roy. Not, not this. Like you couldn't even like let me joke about it for too long. So no, not this film. <laughs> it's hard to say really because I think after I watched it, I thought, yeah, that was pretty cool, um, kind of interesting. But as I've given it more thought. As time's gone on, I yeah. realised I didn't really like it very much at all. It's definitely not the kind of film. <laughs> definitely not the kind of film I think I'd ever want to watch again. Yeah, and you know, the three steps if, that it took you to leave from the sofa to the bathroom, you toilet's very close to your yeah. sofa. You just yeah. it declined. And I'm going to go around and find all the BuzzFeed, Lad Bible, Uni Lad articles that say Velvet Buzzsaw is the most terrifying film of all time. And I'm going to find them <laughs> and I'm just going to comment, prick, prick on every single one. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's disappointing because okay. I think the cast, the yeah. cast is great. I love everyone. I love Gyllenhaal. I love Tony Collette. Yeah, I love um, who else? Old Malkovich. I thought he was pretty. He was good for his tiny little. He thing. did. He does in play it. artistic integrity very well. Like, that's well, I, re- his I honestly reckon I can't give it any more than it's D plus. Interesting. You would have gone for that. I coach. was going to go for a C. I think initially I would have said C, but as time's yeah. gone on, it's deteriorated in my head. Oh no. Uh, so I put exactly that a D plus as well. Oh fuck! Yeah, it's, oh, that, it's that shocking. D plus as well. God, we've really, we've really gone to town Synced on this. Up. Yeah. Um, I just think the same thing. I just think it's all right. I don't. Like, I get a bit annoyed when I saw people saying, "Oh, I mean, that's an hour and it's boring as shit." So I turned up because it's not that bad. Like it's that is annoying, yeah. It's all right, but it's, I find that with any films though. Whenever oh, I walked out the cinema, oh, I just switched off it. They're boring. I just think. I got to see it through. Yeah, just just have a bit of patience, Jesus. I mean, yeah. get your phone out for a bit, I guess. Just I don't know, just yeah. don't turn it off. Just twiddle on your phone for a bit. Also, because because this film it is at least a little bit interesting. Like it's not completely. It's not completely of... void of things. I think the yeah. reason my I think one of the reasons my rating is so low is because I am judging it as a horror film. Like yeah. it's marketed as a horror film. Is it really a horror film? I don't know. It's like it is like a a cutting, yeah, a cutting sort of take on the art industry and art world, but with horror elements. Well, so so um, Dan Gilroy, the last film was Nightcrawler. That was like a, a a take on very real horror of a psychopath in LA news, LA news that that sort of career. And then this yeah. could should have been, in my opinion. A follow-on tonally to that, but in the LA art scene, like it should have been yeah. more real, like more of a sort of a real um, horror, rather than like tacking on this mm. ring element, this sort of haunting horror, which was kind of interesting. But I just think this film would have been way stronger without that stuff. Yeah. It should have just focused on on the real side of it. 
Yeah, I think I think you're correct there, Luke. Thank I can't, you. Uh, I can't disagree with anything you said there, and I won't. And I won't. And you good. Uh, okay, so next week we are doing Trick or Treat. It feels a bit weird doing it, not Halloween, but um, <laughs> just the way it lines up. Yeah, I suppose you're right, Sunshine. Yeah, yeah um, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I remember liking it. I remember quite liking it quite a lot. So another another new one for me. You know, We did Brain Dead a couple of weeks ago. I've never seen that before, and I've never seen yeah. Trick or Treat. Lovely. Okay, so this show is brought to you by Hawk and Cleaver. Head over to hawkandcleaver.com. Uh, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. Thanks to Kovac Cowman for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Thanks to the listeners. If you enjoyed the show, please consider consider giving us a rating review on iTunes and remember to hit subscribe. And thanks to my co-host Ben for being a right hour dude. Thank you very much, Luke. It's been a pleasure as always. Lovely job, Luke. Alright, out. Out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.